Did you notice that we had a little bit of an unusual start singing Christmas songs in July? Well, that's not the only unusual thing that we are going to do today. I'm going to need your help for this message. And the first thing I'm going to ask, although you can be upset with me for 30 seconds, it'll be fine. I'm going to ask if you're sitting on the sides to move, to the dreaded move into the middle. I know you're all comfortable. We have plenty of room here. It's going to be okay. You can trust me. We're all friends. If you have a baby on your lap, perhaps you'll be forgiven if you stay in the back corner. I'm just as anxious as you having to move. I'm so sorry that I made you all do that. Carrie asked why we didn't take the chairs away so nobody could sit there. Next time we try this, we will, we will do that. Okay, but I'm, I'm going to need help today because... Today, we are going to be looking for things that are lost and then found. And the first thing I noticed that I've already lost is my chart easel type thing. So I'm going to need this eventually. I would have left it here to begin with, but Jen told me that's going to block everybody from seeing the worship team, so, so I had to move it. So as a church, we're going through the parables. And what I would like some help with is the definition of what is a parable. Can anybody help me define what a parable is? A story that's not real but has a purpose and a meaning. And I'm going to ask Jen to help me with the mic. A story that's not real but it has a purpose and a meaning. Awesome. Anyone else have a way of explaining what a parable is? Um, It's a way that Jesus would... Um, explain things to his followers that um, people who weren't actually seeking to understand wouldn't be able to understand. Excellent. Did you get that from high school class? <laughs> you must have an amazing teacher. Middle school, oh, middle school class. All right. All right. Anyone else? Yep. Um, my version of it is it's a story that God has made for his disciples so that they can understand the word because it's sometimes very complicated and hard to understand. Terrific. Wow. So one of the easiest ways to understand it is it's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning when we're speaking about a, a parable in the Bible. So I guess that, asks, that leads to the question, if we know that there are parables in the Bible, why did Jesus use parables? Does anyone have an idea of why Jesus would use parables? Because people relate best to stories, and they can remember them better. That's kind of how our brains are wired. People relate, yes, the people do relate better to stories. I just said it's more captivating. You know, I know with me, if you just, sometimes if you're just talking words at me, it doesn't register, but a story will register. Sure. And along with what everyone's saying, it's hard for people to understand what the kingdom of God is or these spiritual things, but everyone has seen things grow or like the different examples of someone helping somebody like the Samaritan. So these stories 
are things that people can understand and grasp, but he was making us understand what his kingdom is like. And you know, it was a spiritual thing that was kind of new in their minds, and he was cementing for them how to understand spiritual things. Sure. I found that sometimes when the story is not directly about you, but about somebody else, it's easier for you to process and think about those situation applying to somebody else because you're, you know, just not that close to it and it's easier to think about. So sometimes I do that with my kids. I'll tell them stories about other people, but really I'm talking about them. Sure. <laughs> it's really tough. I gotta tell you, this is like the easiest sermon I've ever had to do, so I, I appreciate the help. Yeah, so, so Jesus uses the parables and, and sometimes it may be because, you know, the answer is only going to be for somebody who's actually searching. Right? He very well could have just given us the main point and have that be that. Very plain language, hey, this is what it is. You know, we all know that there's a Christian principle that we all have to have grace for one another. Right? So we have that Christian principle. But as we sit out in a group like this, look, if I don't know you, I know I have to have grace. Right? But it's much more meaningful and maybe I'll have more grace if I know your story. And when we have faith stories up here and somebody shares something that they're going through or you hear you, somebody tells you about their life or what they've been through, like then, I don't know if you guys are like me, but my level of grace will just increase the more I know about you. You know, I don't want, I don't like people being late, right? But if you tell me your story, you can be late all you want. Don't even show up. I'm still okay. But, but that's because I know the story. So it, sometimes I think it helps us understand the Christian principles that Jesus has given us. And if he had just said, do this, 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 and this, it would be less meaningful for us if we didn't have that story to sort of help us understand. So I said we're going to talk about things that are lost and found. And the first thing I lost was the parables I was going to talk about. So I would like to talk about the parables of the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Luke 15, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son. Right. So I need help because I don't want to read myself. So I'm going to ask my friend Tim to read the lost sheep and the lost coin section, please. All right. We're going to do the lost sheep first. Uh, so that's Luke 15, 3. So Jesus told them a story. Think about a man who has 100 sheep. He may lose one of them. What does he do then? He leaves his other sheep in the fields. Then he goes. He looks for the sheep that he has lost. He looks until he finds it. When he finds the sheep, he's very happy. He lifts it up and puts it on it across his shoulders. Then he carries it back home. He speaks, to all, he speaks to all his friends and to the people that live near him. He says, I have found the sheep that I have lost. So come to my house and we can all be happy together. When one person stops doing wrong things, it is like that. It makes those that live with God in heaven very happy. They will be happier about that one person than about the 99 who already obeyed God. Hmm. Continue? Continue. Okay. Uh, a story about a coin that a woman has lost. Jesus told them another story. Now think about a woman who has 10 valuable coins. She may lose one of them. What does she do then? She lights a lamp and she sweeps inside her house. She looks carefully until she finds the coin. Then she speaks to all her friends and to all that live near her. 
She says to them, I have found the coin that I lost. So come to my house and we can all be happy together. When one person stops doing wrong things, it is like that. It makes God's angels and everyone in heaven very happy. Great. So we have a lost sheep and a lost coin. Now the lost son. Picking up in chapter 15, verse 11. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one sent to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything there was, a severe famine in the whole... After he spent everything there... After he spent everything... There was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. His father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because his brother, this brother of yours, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found." perhaps one of the most well-known and most revered parables that we have is the parable of the lost son. So I'm going to ask for some help from my beautiful wife, Jennifer. As we talk about these parables of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost son, I would like to ask you all what you notice about these parables? What's similar in all three of these parables that we have just talked about? What do we notice? Oh, look, my son is going to help with the microphone. Everybody's helping today. So what do we notice that's in all three of these parables? They were all lost and then they were found. There were, something is lost and something is found. So we have a lost item. In each of the stories, each um, thing that was lost was incredibly valuable to the person who lost them. Each of the things has value to the person 
who lost them. The thing that they all lost, when they lost it and they found it, they all had a big celebration with all their family and friends. Celebrate, yes, there's rejoicing and a celebration when the thing is found. I don't know if it was said yet, but the person in each story was willing to leave the others to go find the one. We got that. The person who lost the item is willing to leave behind what's found until they find what's been lost. When the thing was found, the person seeking it invited others to rejoice with them. Ah, good point. That's not even on my notes here. All right. Yay. Gold star for that student. Almost the same thing as what Becca said, that the parable of the lost son kind of stood out to me was that the dad had the son and the son was celebrating the father, but the older brother was like, why didn't you ever give me just a little bit? I've been slaving for you and you never gave me the least little animal that I could celebrate with my friends. So yeah. the son wanted stuff with his friends. He wasn't going for the father, but like in all these three, the, the person that lost it and found it, they had the celebration. It was all about the person they celebrated, like with the father or the lady who lost the coin. Any other thoughts? I mean, each, each of these stories has a photo. Oh, Jesse. Yeah, sorry. I, I was going to say the person that lost something was upset that they lost it. So they were upset first, and then they could celebrate when they found it. Upset that it thing has been lost, yes. Mike. So in each story, uh, is there a representation of Christ leaving the 99 to seek after the one? They're all a representation of Christ seeking after lost souls. Yes. I'm afraid we're going to go too deep if we continue on this path, right? Each story has a lost item. Each one of those items has an owner. Each one is found. There's rejoicing when it's found. The main points of our parables, as you have all expressed, yes, we, we understand these parables as they are given to us. Each of these things has value, as Steve pointed out. It has value to the owner. They also have inherent value. They're valuable, especially when we get to the sun, just in and of themselves. So, have you ever been lost? Not, not now, we're not going to go deep theologically lost here. Have you just ever been lost? Now, I know we have GPS today, right? You can still get lost. Yeah, I've seen videos of people drive into the lake, right? So when I was a, a teenager, I used to go fishing a lot, and my great-grandfather was a, a real outdoorsman. And he passed some of that on down to my father, and he passed it on to me. And there was this pond that we would go to that has great fishing, but it's, it's in sort of a valley. It's not, it's not a huge valley, but it's in a valley. It sits down at the bottom of that, and, and it's, it's largely overgrown. It's undeveloped. And my father took me there, and he said to me, you know, Greg, when you get down into this thick underbrush, he goes, where we park our cars to get to this place about a half a mile away, there's this red brick house. And when you get down into the valley, wherever you are in that valley, you can look up, and if you can find that red house, you just you make a beeline to that, and you will always know that you will get back to where you started from. Now, this is in the days before GPS, right? And this is not a DEC trail where it's got the markers on you. This is not a state 
thing. So I go fishing there one time, and I'm trying to get from one end of the pond to the other, and the way the pond is set up, you cannot walk along the shoreline in this one section. So you have to get back to the path, walk around the path, then cut through the woods again to get to the other side of the pond. Nobody really fishes there, so there's not even a fisherman's trail that you can follow. Now, I probably internalized my, the lesson from my father. If you see the red house, you're good to go. And I wasn't really worried about getting lost until I tried to get to that other side of the pond. I get over there, I start walking, and this is really, really thick underbrush. And I can't, you really, I'm literally going like this to get through, and I'm going, I'm going, and I know I should have hit the pond by now, and I'm not. And I turn around to try to retrace my steps, and it is so thick, I can't even see where I've come from. But I don't panic. All I got to do is see the red house. I start looking around, and I can't see the red house. Now, I wasn't so much worried that I was going to be stuck there, but now I'm starting to get worried because I don't have my waypoint. I don't have the point where I, need, where I, I know I can get found by going to that. And so to make a long story bearable, I end up spending hours trying to get out of this place. I tra so I decide I'm going to go back the way I came and I'll just pick up the trail. I start walking. I know I should have hit the trail, and I don't hit the trail. And now I'm walking around, and every half hour or so, I'm kind of, and I'm, now I'm getting tired. It's getting late. I finally see the red house, and I sort of make my way to it, and I end up getting out of the woods. So... We've all been lost. And I lost a couple of things recently here that I would like some help finding. So the other day, I was over on the couches there, and I had my, my, the shorts on that I was wearing had like loose pockets, and I lost my green pen over there somewhere. So I'm wondering if there are any youngsters who would be willing to head on over to the couches and help me find my green pen that is over there. Go ahead, it's fine. You can get up and move around. My green pen is lost. Up, oh, and we found it. It's the green pen has been found. I found my green pen. Well, I didn't find it. Marion found it. Marion found it. Well, while I was here also the other day, I was walking around over that section of the church. And I've had my watch on, but my watch doesn't always fit, and I think it slipped off my hand. And I think it might have fell into one of the pockets over in that section. So if you helped me find my green pen, why don't we go on over and try to help find my watch in the pockets? There's got to be more helpers that can help us search through those pockets over there. If everybody takes a row and we search all the pockets... I'm sure it'll be found. There we go. We found the watch. All right. So I've got my pen. I could get any old pen, right? It's not that big a deal at us, but my watch, this was a gift to me from a group that I was involved in, so it's got a little engraving on there, so it's a little bit more valuable to me. And so I'm going to need some help with writing down, and apparently I have lost... Mrs. Veach. So if you helped find the watch and the pen, if you wouldn't mind, maybe checking out in the lobby to go see if you can find Mrs. Veach for me. 
Like I said, this is the easiest sermon I've ever prepared for. I know she didn't hide very difficultly. I think. I think she is actually hiding. Maybe she is lost. Oh, I think I just heard her. Up, oh, there she is. And, well, it seemed like you were lost. I thought you were supposed to help me write down the next section. So she thought it was more fun to go have a donut. But, but hey, well, listen, we found Mrs. Veach, so even better. All right, how do we get lost? We can get distracted. So for the GPS, sometimes you type in the right destination and sometimes GPS sends you to a different one. So you can get lost following the directions of the wrong person. So you can be careless or distracted. You can get lost through no fault of your own or you don't have the directions, right? Through no, no fault of your own. You never heard, if you've never heard of Jesus Christ, it's kind of hard to follow Jesus Christ if you've never heard of him. But anyway, you can get lost and not even know it, right? Through no fault of your own, an accident or weather, and now you end up lost. Or because you are distracted. Now, do we see in those parables we talked about any of those instances? How does the sheep get lost? By wandering, right? I don't mean to insult sheep, but they're not really smart. Right? They got one thing to do, eat grass and stay with the other sheep. Right? So how does a sheep get lost? Through wandering, through just not paying attention. And next thing you know, the sheep is lost. What about things that get lost through no fault of their own? We see the coin. The coin doesn't even know it's lost. It's just lost. And how else can we get lost? Bad choices, deliberately, right? So deliberately, and who do we see in the parables that we've just talked about get lost deliberately? The son, right? The younger son who tells his father, I wish you were dead, give me my inheritance now. He chooses to be lost. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. He didn't get lost through inattention. Like I lost my green pen. I knew that my pockets were loose and I just didn't pay attention. It's not like Mrs. Veach who decided that it was better to eat donuts than to come in here and listen to the sermon. He didn't deliberately choose to do that. What did we notice, interestingly enough, as we go through these parables in order about the value of these things? I'm so glad Bert is here. Bert, if you lose one sheep out of, 90, out of 100, what percentage is that? One. 1%. And if you lose one coin out of 10, what percentage is that? Actually, these kids might know. What percentage is that? Ten. Are those your kids, Bert? It sounds like it is. Well, there's the math. It's hard to tell. This is the math. Yeah, it's hard to tell. I have a high percentage of the kids in here. So. Yes. <laughs> so our, our first parable, the thing that is lost, is worth 1% of the total. In our second parable, it's 10% of the total. And now in our third parable, Bert, what's one out of two sons? What percentage would that be? 50%. Bert, 50. We, don't need, Bert yeah. we don't need a math professor for this. <laughs> Actually, I might have. So we've gone from, as the parables go in order, they go in increasing value of the item that is the object of the parable. Does this matter? Do any, do any of the parables sort of strike you as odd? Like, 
Does the shepherd really need to go after 1% of his flock? If he loses one sheep, is it going to devastate his whole flock? It's not like one sheep's going to make a difference in reproducing the next year's flock. He's going to lose 1% of his income if he's able to get full income out of all of it. What about that woman who lost her coin? We might think to ourselves, well, maybe she's, maybe she's not wealthy at all and she only has 10 coins. So if she loses one, it's still 10%. She's, she's lost something of value. But I heard Billy Graham talking about this, and I don't, the only, this is the only place I've ever heard it. So Billy Graham recounted the story that the 10 coins is actually the woman's dowry that she would attach to a band or to her hair, and once she had the 10 coins, then she was able to be married. And that would be her dowry for her marriage. Now, that to me makes sense. Like if, you just, if she just lost one coin and then she rejoiced and called all her friends, I'd be like, well, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But when you understand that that value to her was, she would have been so desperate to have that, that it makes sense to us now. And now about that son, we call it 50%. But all of us who are parents in here know that that's not any way to assess the value of our children, of our spouses, of our parents, of those that love us. So the value goes from a little bit to a little bit more to an infinite value when we understand how God sees us and why he would go through so much to come find us when we do get lost. So we see increasing value. We understand how we get lost, which is inattention, through no fault of our own, or deliberately. But no matter what, we have an owner that wants us back, however we got lost. As we sort of think about what these parables mean, we know that there's an owner that cares for us and won't stop looking for us. We know that we, we get lost in all sorts of different ways. And rather than thinking of these as the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, maybe we should think about the responsible and dedicated shepherd, the desperate woman, or the loving father. Thank you all so much for helping me today. And just remember that no matter what we do, where we go, how we get lost, we have an owner that cares so much about us. He will not stop until we are returned. And when that happens, there's rejoicing in heaven. You are dismissed. Go and be the church.